Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Well, today I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, we're starting something new. We're starting a brand new series called What If? And um, I, today, if you've not met Matt Noblet yet, Matt's our college pastor. He leads all of our next-gen ministries. And I've been looking for an opportunity to get Matt on our stage here on the weekend because Matt speaks on a regular basis on Monday nights. And um, last Monday night was bananas in this room. Uh, we had over 1,100 college students show up in the room this, this past uh, Monday night. And what God's doing is extraordinary there. And um, I believe uh, oftentimes uh, God does whatever he wants regardless of who's involved. Uh, But watching Matt lead his team and watching Matt speak into the lives of these students, uh, I think a lot of what we're seeing is an overflow of not just what God's doing in in our college ministry, but what God's doing in Matt's life and the overflow of what God's doing through Matt's life. And so I really wanted you to hear from Matt today. So Matt's going to kick off a new series and uh, it's called What If? And it's all about an abundance mentality and what it looks like to serve a God who has infinite resources. So will you welcome Matt Noblet as he kicks off this series for us? Oh man, thank you Joel for that introduction. That is kind. Uh, Buckhead Church, how are we feeling today? Everybody good? Y'all good? Okay. Amazing. Well, I am excited to kick off this series, What If, this two-part series. But before we dive in, I thought I'd take just a minute to introduce myself to you, help you uh, get to know me just a little bit better. As Joel said, uh, I do get to be our college pastor here at Buckhead Church. Love what God is doing in our college ministry, in campuses, college campuses all across our city. Uh, It's pretty remarkable. We meet on Monday nights at 8 p.m. right here in this space. And uh, it's really a move of God. Like it's it's pretty incredible uh, week to week to experience experience all that God's doing uh, on college campuses all across the city. And then I also get to oversee all of our next-gen ministry environments here at Buckhead. So that's everything from Wombaland, which is our environment for newborn and preschool, all the way up through high school, through Inside Out. And I can just say this firsthand uh, from witnessing and hearing story after story, week after week of all that God's doing in our next-gen environments. Um, You just need to know that God is on the move. And uh, the church is in really good hands. The future of the church is in really good hands uh, based on the faith of the next generation and the way that their faith is growing and building and the people that we have investing into them. It really is remarkable. But I was born and raised uh, from, in St. Louis, Missouri. Any, any fellow people from the, from the Lou in here? Okay, one. Oh, yeah, I, you're like, it's me. It's me. I see you. We'll talk later. Uh, I moved from St. Louis to Atlanta about seven years ago with my amazing wife, Anne. In fact, I have a picture. This is Anne. Uh, Anne and I have been married for 10 years, just celebrated 10 years of marriage over the summer, uh, which is pretty, yeah, thank you for that. Appreciate that. And, um, 
We have two little girls. Um, these are my daughters right here. Uh, this is Naomi. She goes by Nomi, and Nomi uh, just turned two a couple of months ago. And then this is Willow, and Willow will be five in a couple of weeks. So I've got a five-year-old and a two-year-old. I'm a girl dad, and I absolutely love it. And uh, this was, of course, the classic first day of school picture, you know, where they hold these boards, and it looks really pretty. Uh, that's not my handwriting, by the way. That's my wife's. Um, and, you know, you ask them these things of, like, what's your favorite color, and what do you want to be when you grow up, and all this stuff. And Willow and Nomi were certainly excited for their first day of school. Like they couldn't wait, you know, they, they were a little bit nervous and uncertain, but mostly they were excited. And they're like, we can't wait to meet our teachers and see our friends and play on the playground. And they had their, you know, their lunchbox ready to go and their book bag and like their outfits picked out and the shoes and all that good stuff. And as parents, you know, Ann and I, we were excited as well. But if I can just be honest, as, as their dad, I started thinking through all of these what if thoughts and questions. Some were really encouraging, some were like more fear-based, you know, and it was like, what if they have a great year, and what if they meet so many new friends, and what if they love their teachers, but then I was like, what if it doesn't go well, and what if they, you know, don't meet a whole bunch of friends, and then I was like, what if there's homework, like, am I ready for that? Willow's getting to the age where that could be a reality, and I don't know how I feel about that yet, but then I started getting a little bit sentimental, and I started thinking back to, like, the night before the first day of school whenever I was in school, like way back when, you know, and started thinking of like the excitement that I would have and the nerves and the goals and the desires that I would have for a new year. And then I started even thinking even more recently of like when I step into something new, like a new job, a new opportunity, new responsibilities, a new season of life. And how in the same way I can start to think about all these things of like, what if this happens? What if this works out? What if the team loves me? But then I start thinking of like, what if they don't? And what if it doesn't work out? And it hit me in that moment, these two words, what if, these are two powerful words that can either fill you with fear or they can fuel your faith. That these two words have the potential to spark new dreams, to inspire change, or to envision what could be in your life. And isn't it so true that we've all experienced moments in life where we've wondered, what if? What if, what if I... I get the promotion. What if I get fired? What if the relationship works out? What if, what if it doesn't? What if my kids succeed? What, what if they don't? What, what if the Georgia Bulldogs win a third national title? What if they lose to Auburn in two weeks? South Carolina was a test yesterday. What if I get the opportunity? What if I never get recognized at all. Well, what if I overcome that struggle? Or what if that struggle continues to plague me for the rest of of my life. And you and I can't always dictate the outcomes or the circumstances in our life. Therefore, what if feels like a pretty fair question, doesn't it? Because the answer isn't always constant or guaranteed. Can I just push a little bit this morning and ask you a few questions before we dive in? What if there's a God who never changes, who is constant? What if there's a God who's a whole lot closer today than you might think? What, what if that mistake that you made in your past doesn't actually have to define your future? What if there is freedom from the addiction? What if there's peace that's available to you? What if there's hope for your future? What if the words that we just sang to the song, the words to the songs that we just sang really could be true? And what if God is not only aware of what you're experiencing, circumstances that you're walking through, but what if he actually empathizes and cares? What if? 
This morning, we're going to take a look at the, a story that's found in the Gospel of John, John chapter 2 specifically. But before we dive in, I want to give you a little bit of context. Um, Jesus is just beginning his public ministry at the age of 30. And in this text that we're about to read, uh, he's about to perform his first miracle. And I want us to unpack the meaning of this miracle because I believe that it actually has significant implications on our life. And this wasn't just a miracle that, that, that took place a couple thousand years ago for a group of people in that time, but this is the type of miracle that still can happen for all of us today. And so this is where the text picks up. John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee, and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So, so weddings are still a, a huge deal today in our cultural setting, like um, they're massive celebrations. But back in this cultural context, um, they were even bigger celebrations. They were often like a week long. And so they were really, really big deals. They were very important. And Jesus' mother, Mary, was invited to the wedding, but, but so was Jesus. And it's important to note, not only was Jesus invited, but, but he actually shows up. He shows up, and I think that's important to highlight and to note because he was just beginning his public ministry. Um, it would have been easy for him to be like, hey, hey, thanks for the invitation. Um, I've got things to do, you know? Like, I've got a pretty full schedule. I've got some plans in mind. I don't know if I can make it. Certainly, they would have understood. But Jesus shows up, which clearly shows us relationships matter to Jesus. Relationships are important. People were never viewed as an interruption to Jesus, even in his ministry. And so the text goes on, verse three. It says, when the wine was gone, Jesus's mother said to him, they have no more wine. So this is, this is a problem. In fact, it's more than a problem. This is a dilemma. This is a crisis. This wasn't good in this cultural context. Like this could have been viewed as highly offensive to the people that were at the wedding. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, was probably not asking Jesus to do a miracle here, but rather just to help find a solution. Many scholars believe that at this time, Joseph, Mary's husband, that he may have already been dead. So Mary would have most likely been used to asking her son for help in certain situations. And so it's important here. I just want to pause for a moment because you could be thinking, well, all right, like what's this story have to do with, with today, Matt? Like where are we? Well, it's important to pause and remember that Jesus is always doing more than what we can see. Jesus is always at work doing more than what we can recognize. It's true in the context of this story, but it's also true in your life. That God sees you, that he recognizes your needs, and he cares. And so Jesus responds. He says, woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come, which as I'm reading this text and as I was studying this text, I couldn't help but, but think to myself, hold on, time out, pause for just a moment. Jesus, woman, what are you doing? This is your mom, you know? Like, I remember I, I taught this story to, to our college students a while back, and I remember telling them, hey, like, when you go home for Christmas break, please don't walk in the front door and be like, hey, woman, you know, just quoting scripture, mom. Like, that's not gonna go well for you. But while we can read into this and think like, that's disrespect. Uh, that term, woman, in, in today's vocabulary, it would be better translated as a phrase like, my lady, so Jesus is not being disrespectful at all here. But he's basically saying, my lady, I've come to save the world, not weddings. <laughs> and Mary may not have fully understood Jesus' response or what he had in mind, but she trusted that Jesus would do 
what is right. And we too will experience moments in life where we feel as if we've run out and we don't know what to do. Maybe you've run out of joy. You've run out of patience. You've run out of courage. You've run out of time. You've run out of hope. You're running out of faith. You're just hanging on by a thread. And in these moments, we can choose to trust in ourselves and try to figure it all out and try to hold on to whatever control we think we, we might still have, which that typically leads to a meteor shower of what ifs in our life. Or we can choose to trust that Jesus is at work doing more than we can recognize and that the way of Jesus is the best way, even when it doesn't align with our way. And so the text goes on. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So Mary's like, hey, I don't really know the full plan here, but I fully trust the person who does. So if you trust and respect me, then please do whatever he tells you. Let me just ask you a question this morning. What if you trusted God's plan more than your own? What if you trusted God's plan more than your own? Because I'll be honest with you, at times, the way of Jesus, of following him, at times, his plan, it's going to feel kind of like this. It's going to feel countercultural, counterintuitive, and counterproductive. It's going to feel countercultural in the way that, that this is not the popular route. This is not the way that culture seems to be going. But, but I know it's the way that God's calling me to go. I know it's what he has in mind. At times, it's, it's going to feel counterintuitive, where it's not even going to make sense to you in the moment. Maybe you talk about it with some other people, with your small group, and you're like, it doesn't even really make full sense to them. But I'm clear this is what the Lord is calling me to. It might even feel a little bit counterproductive following in the way of Jesus. Of like, I feel like if I don't go the way he's calling me to go and I go the other way, I feel like in the moment, in the present time, it might actually be better for my finances. It might be better for my current relationships. But yet I know that he's calling me to go in this direction. And it could feel counterproductive. Even so, whether it feels countercultural, counterintuitive, counterproductive, even so, what if you chose to trust that God's plan, even when it may not align with what exactly you had planned, that it's the best way? Because sometimes what God has planned isn't what you have pictured. And what if you were willing to set aside your plans to make provisions for what God has in mind? How would the servants respond in this moment? in the midst of this dilemma, like this is a crisis, this is a situation, who would they choose to trust in this moment? Text goes on, it says, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So, so those jars, uh, they, they might have looked a, a little bit something like this. Um, and, and there were six of them, as the text states, 20 to 30 gallons each. And, and so these were the jars. And these jars would have been used by the Jews for ceremonial cleansing as part of the sacrificial system that was currently in place. And this system would soon be replaced by Jesus. So, so catch this. Jesus decided to go public in his ministry by using an icon of the sacrificial system that would soon be replaced to point to something that would soon be in place. Remember, Jesus is always at work doing more than we can see. And Jesus was about to reveal something to the people, to the audience. 
It wasn't by accident or, or coincidence that he chose to use these jars for his first miracle. It wasn't just like, oh, well, they're here. Let's just use these. No, no, he was doing something on purpose for a purpose about to reveal something to the people. Typically the water in these jars, it would have been poured out to, to cleanse the people on the outside. But Jesus wanted to transform the water on the inside. See, Jesus didn't come to, to simply modify our exterior, but he came to change the interior. He came to change our heart. Another way to say it is that Jesus didn't die on the cross ultimately for behavior modification. Jesus died on the cross for our heart transformation. And so these servants could have responded in a number of ways. Again, they're in the middle of a crisis. Everyone at the party isn't aware yet, but they would have been, the pressure is on. And look at the way in which they respond when Jesus says this, this to them. Jesus says, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. They filled them to the brim. Servants, they, they couldn't just go flip on a faucet or a hose. Like that wasn't an option. Again, these, these pots were big, 20 to 30 gallons each. So this would have required them to go to the well over and over and over again without even really knowing why they were doing it. Like the servants didn't know the plan. They, they weren't really sure what Jesus had in mind. But yet, they fully trusted. They filled the jars to the, to the brim, which I think can show us they trusted the person who was asking. And they trusted that Jesus was gonna use whatever it is that they brought to him. And so they set aside, surrendered their agenda, their ideas, and whatever control they thought they had, they, they surrendered that to Jesus and they trusted him regardless of the outcome. To which I think to myself, at this point in the story, I stop and just say, was that really necessary? Like, come on. Couldn't they have just like filled them up a little bit, you know? Like, did they really have margin for this? I'm, I'm, I'm sure like the guests were like, hey, the wine is running out. Like now we're starting to, you know, wonder like, is there more? Like, or what's going on here? And it feels like the servants, they could have just done a little bit less, right? It's Jesus. He still would have taken care of things. Like surely he was gonna come through in the moment. That's what's going through my mind. Kind of this just enough to get by mentality to which sometimes in my life or even in my faith, maybe the same is true for you, I can fall into that way of thinking. Of man, I'll, I'll just bring Jesus just enough. I'll show up just enough to where I'm still comfortable. I'll take a step of faith just when it feels like it doesn't cost me too much. You know, like, I don't want really people to think that I'm like weird, you know? I'll bring kind of just enough. You do know that Jesus can only transform what we make available to him. So if you want Jesus to transform your relationships, then you have to bring him your relationships. If you want Jesus to transform your mind, then you gotta make available to him your thoughts. If you want Jesus to transform your life, like for real, then you have to let go of control fully. Not, not just in the areas where it's comfortable, not just now and then when it feels convenient, but to say, no, 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 Jesus, filled to the brim, I trust you with everything. It goes on, it says, then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, 
though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Verse 10, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Translation, this isn't the typical strategy. Usually at weddings, at celebrations like this, they'd bring out the best wine first. And then after people have had a little bit too much to drink, now it doesn't matter. Just bring out whatever we got left. Jesus is already flipping the religious customs of the day. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm gonna save the best until now. This amount of wine, it's estimated would have been equivalent to about 750 to 1,000 bottles of wine today. So this was abundant, overflowing, Jesus coming through in an amazing way. This was more than a miracle. This was to be a sign. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. This is important. Don't miss this. Not a single wedding guest did anything to make this wine. They simply received what was provided for them. And this is a foreshadowing of something so much greater to come. Something that we could never make happen on our own, but we could only receive. What am I talking about here? Well, you and I, we too have a problem. We have a crisis. There's a dilemma. It's our sin. It's the fact that none of us are perfect. And because of our sin, whether you feel like you have a little bit of sin in your life or a whole lot, because of our sin, we're separated from God. And God identified that there was an issue, there was a dilemma. And so he stepped in and sent Jesus onto the face of the earth to live a perfect life and then to die on the cross as payment for our sins. So that now we can simply receive the grace of God that has already been provided for us. We don't have to work to achieve it. There's nothing that we could do to earn it. We simply receive the grace of God, his undeserved favor in our lives. To which you might be thinking, well, that sounds like good news, Matt, but don't we have to clean up a little bit first? Like, don't I have to make some changes in my life first before receiving the grace of God, before receiving what's been provided for me? And the answer is, is, is no, you don't. Like, you don't have to build up a, a streak on the Bible app first. You don't have to show up to church enough times. You don't have to know enough verses. You don't have to serve a certain amount of hours. In fact, I'll say it this way. Change is not a prerequisite to God's grace, but a result of it. Change is not a prerequisite to God's grace. Change is a result of it. Jesus transformed the water into wine on the inside first before it was ever poured out. And Jesus desires to do the same type of miracle in our lives today. He wants to transform us on the inside first. He's saying, hey, I want you to surrender and trust me. And I wanna transform your heart just as I transformed the water. Jesus wants to transform your heart. Jesus wants to transform your heart. He's put it on the table. He's made it clear his intentions. The question that you and I have to wrestle with, and this is a question that we have to wrestle with, whether you say today, I'm not a person of faith, Matt. I feel like I'm super far from God. I've got a lot of doubts, a lot of questions. Love that you're here. 
Or maybe you're like, I've been following the Lord for decades. Or you're somewhere in between, no matter where you are on that spectrum of faith. The question that all of us have to wrestle with in response to this, that Jesus wants to transform your heart, is is this question right here. What if you said yes? What if you said yes? Or if you've already said yes, what if you said yes again? A fancy church word is sanctification. That's the process of sanctification in our lives that we continually say, yes, yes, Jesus, yes, I trust you. I trust you. I'm not there yet. Yes. Continue to mold me into the person you want me to be. Transform my heart from the inside out. I bring you everything filled to the brim. Let me just go back to that first list of questions that I kind of proposed, those scenarios. What if you get the promotion? What if you get fired? What if the relationship works out? What if it doesn't? What if your, your kids succeed? What if they don't? What if you get the opportunity? What, what if you never get recognized at all? What if you overcome that struggle in your life? What if that struggle continues to follow you for the rest of your days? Regardless of the outcome, what if you predetermined to say, Jesus, you have my heart. You have my yes. I trust you more than I trust myself. What if, hear me on this. What if you said yes to surrendering your will to God's way? And what if you continue to say yes to your next faithful step of obedience that God may be calling you towards? Can I encourage you this morning to just start where you are, not where you think you should be? For many of us, that's the hang up. We hear a talk like this and we start to think, oh, but first, but first I gotta, no, no, no. Just start where you are. Jesus can't meet you where you used to be. Jesus can't even meet you where, where you one day think you'll be or you hope to be. Jesus really can only meet you right where you are. And this morning, God isn't disappointed with you. He's proud of you. He's for you. You haven't disqualified yourself. He, he loves you. In fact, I'll say this, I believe this with all my heart, it would actually be impossible, it would be impossible for me to stand on this stage this morning and exaggerate how much God loves you. I couldn't do it if I tried. You could give me the next hour and I could try to say all the ways in which God loves you and how proud he is of you. And and, and there wouldn't be a moment where it's like, okay, Matt, that's a little bit too far. You exaggerated a little bit in that moment. I couldn't. I couldn't exaggerate the love that God has for you as his son, as his daughter. I'll close with this story. I mentioned up top that I've got two little girls and uh, most nights when I get to put them to bed, I, I, I pray with them and I pray over them. And I usually end the prayer by just saying something like, God, like help them to remember and know how loved they are by mom and dad and their family and friends and their community, you know, their teachers and all of that. But then I wrap it up by saying, and most importantly, God, Would you help them to never forget how loved they are by you? Why? Because the love of God has the power to transform their heart. When they go through seasons in life that don't make any sense, when they experience immense hurt, when they're grieving due to a loss, it's the love of God that has the power to heal their heart. It's the love of God that has the, 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 the power and the, it could give them the strength to forgive, the courage to continue on. 
The same is true for you. Jesus wants to transform your heart. He wants to bring freedom and healing and confidence and peace and joy and ultimately lead you down a path of becoming fully alive in your life. Does that mean you won't still struggle or you won't have obstacles ahead of you? Certainly not. But it means you'll have the strength to keep going. And it means you're not alone because God's with you. So what if you said yes and surrendered to him, like every area of your life? What if you said, Jesus, just as in this story, I'm gonna bring you everything like filled to the brim. You can have access to it all because I trust that you're gonna transform whatever I bring to you. And I trust you, Jesus, regardless of the outcomes. What if surrender and trust was our response? In just a moment, the team's gonna come out, Tan and Drew, and they're gonna lead this moment. And we just wanted to end this service, end this gathering, this time by, by creating a little bit of space for you maybe to just sit. And I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a gift that you didn't even know you needed. But just to sit and to think to yourself, what if that's true? What if it's really true that there's a God that sees me this morning? And he hasn't given up on me. And he has a plan and a purpose for my life. What if it's not even a coincidence that I'm here today or that I'm watching online this morning? And so we wanted to just create a little bit of space for you just to sit and know that there's a God that's aware of every breath that you take. And what if you not only said, Lord, okay, I recognize you. I wanna be obedient to you. I trust you. But what if you said, Lord, what part of my heart do you wanna transform? What part of my heart do I need to surrender to you because you really wanna transform it? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. This is a whole lot easier for me to preach about than it is to actually go live out. But God, I pray for the person in our community today who feels as if they so badly want this to be true for them, but yet it's so hard for them to believe it is. I pray that God, in these next couple of moments, as we wrap up this time, God, I pray that undeniably that they would feel your presence, that they'd feel your nudge, and that they'd feel like, man, God, you see me. I, I can trust you, Lord, transform my heart from the inside out. God, God, I pray for the person in the room who's been following you for quite some time. And I pray that today uh, would be as if they, they got to click refresh on their walk with you. Maybe their walks become a little bit stagnant, a little bit mundane. Maybe even their experience in a setting like this has become that. And I pray, pray that today that these final few moments would click the refresh button for them and that their soul would come alive. And that they once again would say, man, Lord, help me to dream again. What if I could believe again that you're still working, that you're not done, that my best days are my next, or the best days are my next days. So God, I just, I thank you for the work that you've done and the work that you're doing. And I thank you in advance for the work that you're going to do. Thank you for never giving up on us. We give you these final few moments. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.